Greetings friends and Firebirds fans, and welcome to the January edition of the Fire and Ice Podcast, the official podcast of your Coachella Valley Firebirds of the American Hockey League, coming to you from Palm Desert, California, just about a mile down the way from the Firebirds home of Akershire Arena. I'm your host, Judd Spicer, I have the privilege, pride and pleasure of serving as your Firebirds insider in this inaugural season, along with hosting this podcast on a monthly basis throughout the Firebirds inaugural campaign. Also doing a few articles a month for the team. You can find those online at cvfirebirds.com. A lot to cover, a lot to gush about, a lot to get to this January episode of the Fire and Ice podcast. And let me start by announcing this month's guest, and it's a great one, Patrick Williams. He's on the beat for the American Hockey League, covers the AHL and also some NHL. You can find his work online at theahl.com. Might also suggest giving Patrick a follow via the Twitter roots, as I do, at PWilliamsAHL. Look forward to discussing the Firebirds inaugural season with Patrick. He's already done a few great articles on the team at theahl.com. Before the chat and visit with Patrick, however, let's get to this month's Firebirds freeze frame. And I'd certainly be bearing the lead if I didn't mention that our Coachella Valley Firebirds are off to what could be described as a rather unbelievable start to the inaugural season with a record of 26 and 3. This team has the best win percentage as of this first week of January 2023. Best win percentage in the entire American Hockey League. Having won 8 of 10, winners of 5 straight to close out 2022, leading the Pacific Division. That's through 29 games of this 72-game inaugural season. Undoubtedly, a lot of firsts took place since uh, the December episode and the visit with Firebirds' Troy Bodie, Director of Hockey and Business Operations. Of course, we had that inaugural Akershire Arena game on December 18th, uh, victory over Tucson. We had the December 23rd game, a very tense and physical 1-0 win over Henderson and what was a teddy bear, or the teddy bear toss game, I should say. Scoreless until six minutes left in the game. Then those teddy bears, uh, about 7,200 and change, all told, those had the pleasure of uh, flying onto the ice. And, of course, the 7-6 comeback win over Ontario on December 28th, what is dubbed the Ice 10 Showdown with the Highway Rivals. That game represented, by the way, the first of eight games on the schedule between the Firebirds and Ontario represents a whopping 17% of the remaining games in this inaugural season. As we turn the page in the new year to January, no shortage of opportunity to see the Firebirds in action at Akershire Arena starting on Wednesday, January 4th with the 7 p.m. Home contest versus Colorado. That represents the first of seven home games here in the desert for the Firebirds. The first of seven home games in an 18-day stretch. The lone road game 
in that window being played just 80 miles away on January 21st. That's a Saturday game at Ontario. So after a lot of road time, after a lot of away games, after the anticipation of getting inside Akershire Arena, filing, the Firebirds can get those skates firmly in the desert sands for a long stretch here uh, throughout the month of January. In this Firebirds freeze frame, let's get to some of these stats. And by the way, for all this scheduling, for all these statistics, all information on roster, team, ticketing, community efforts, and parking, you can find that online at cvfirebirds.com. Might I also recommend downloading that Coachella Valley Firebirds app on your phone. Great way to uh, follow the team. Purchase tickets, single game, uh, single game rather tickets included. Again, that's the Coachella Valley Firebirds phone application. As for those aforementioned stats, well, as you imagine, given the twenty-six and three record, there's a lot of good ones to report. Tied for the team lead with thirty-one points apiece. Again. Entering this first week of January, Andrew Podorowski, his 31 points include a team-high 23 assists. He is tied with Saskatchewan's Cole Lind with those 31 points. By the way, those two fellas are tied for 12th in the entire AHL with those 31-point bounties to date. Not far behind, a pair of other stellar players, Sweden's Jesper Froden, and team captain Max McCormick, they stand at 30 points apiece. Jesper Froden's 30-point uh, tally includes a team-high 15 goals. Should also make mention that John Hayden, right behind those players with 22 points, that includes 11 goals and 11 assists. Minding the net for the Firebirds, Joey Decord whom in one post-game interview that I attended, head coach Dan Bilesman referred to as, quote, our best player, Joey Decord, 11-4 in the net on the season thus far with two shutouts. Christopher Gibson, our other goalie, also having a stellar campaign to date. 6-2 and two record. He has one shutout to his credit. All that offered, all that prefaced, let's get to this month's visit with Patrick Williams covers the AHL at theahl.com. All right, friends. Here on the Fire and Ice podcast, the official podcast of our Coachella Valley Firebirds. You heard me in recent months amply gush about the Firebirds' inaugural season. Let's let uh, somebody else do it a little bit. We're turning to an expert, a gentleman that has covered pro hockey for two decades. He is on the beat for the American Hockey League. You can find his work, as mentioned, at theahl.com. also suggest giving his Twitter a follow, at pwilliamsahl. Welcome, Patrick Williams, to the Fire and Ice podcast. Patrick, Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year, and uh, thanks for having me. Thank you for your time. Uh, I know you got a lucky, a lot of uh, hockey, rather, to cover. But let's stick to the Firebirds, uh, as offered at the outset of this January episode. A record of twenty-six and three as of this conversation in this opening week of the new year. Coachella Valley Firebirds have the best win percentage in the entire American Hockey League. Please tell me that I'm not alone in being amazed by this uh, record and that statistic. 
You know, I was thinking about that uh, the other day. Like, if you add up all the different variables, right? Like the fact they, you know, were on the road for twentieth, their first twenty-four games, and even their those early home games were in Seattle. So that was that was kind of a you know a, a little bit of a different situation there. And you know, basically from the time they went to training camp in September until you know the better part of mid-December, um, they didn't have a true home game, right? Like. They played those four games in Seattle, but that was, you know, kind of, you know, not their own building, right? And right. They were on the road, so that's the first thing. Number two um, is the division they're in, which for my money is the strongest division in the entire league. Um, you know, they're every week they're getting a steady dose of, you know, some of the best, you know, opponents and competition that, you know, the league can offer. And, you know, you're playing Calgary, you're playing <clears throat> Ontario, you're playing uh, – you know, some of the just, you know, real strong Colorado, right? You know, right down the list, Abbotsford's really emerged as a as a strong team. So um, the schedule maker did not give them any breaks. Uh, just the nature of, you know, the arena being, you know, later to open. So I think when you add, add up all those different elements, I mean, it's really, for my money, been the, the most impressive performance of any team in the league. Uh, for the better part of here, you know, the first third, uh, almost we're approaching the halfway point of the season. Uh, let's say just even as a hypothetical that they hadn't had all those logistics take place. They hadn't had all that travel take place. They hadn't all had all the away games or what were kind of the faux home games take place for any team in this mm-hmm. division, which they lead uh, in this league, a 26 and three record, is rather unbelievable, is it not, for an expansion franchise? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you had some of these players, they were in Charlotte last season, uh, part of a, a dual affiliation, which is, you know, it's always a tricky setup uh, for, for any team, uh, especially because they were they were, they were somewhat of the junior partner um, there with the Florida Panthers, uh, who were, you know, the, you know, kind of the primary affiliate there. And, you know, so you have that element, and then, this summer they had to stock the rest of the team. So that's, that's another challenge. And the third challenge is they don't really have uh, an influx of draft picks yet. Uh, Seattle's only had two draft classes and uh, most of those players are not really eligible yet for the AHL. So it's uh, largely a group of free agents and, you know, players that they were able to kind of cobble together um, and form a, you know, really strong roster and, uh, you know, full credit too has to go to the coaching staff there. I mean, um, to get that kind of cohesion, which is one of the biggest challenges in this league for the first, you know, I'd say the first two months of the year, generally, even some of the best teams, it's a real difficult um, yeah, task. Just the level of turnover, uh, the amount of youth in the league, um, it, it, teams really struggle um, establishing that identity, establishing their systems, getting all those elements in place um, that will, you know, if, if all goes well, serve them, you know, well going down the stretch. So they were able to get those pieces in place early. And I think they got, you know, on top of teams or, um, you know, a lot more quickly than, you know, some of them, you know, the opponents were ready. So um, they, uh, they really haven't missed a beat right from the get go. And I think that's, what's been impressive and real good, strong leadership core there. You know, they brought in Paul Rolski, you know, back to back lead scoring champion. And then a lot of, a lot of good, solid uh, kind of, uh, complimentary players like Max McCormick, Cameron Hughes, um, you know, just the guys that you can really count on. Matt Tennyson, you know, local local guy from the uh, you know uh, 
Southern California area. Mm-hmm. So um, they did a great job really <clears throat> getting kind of that veteran core in place. And those are the guys that anchor you early on in the season, you know, as, as some of the younger players start to find their way at the pro level. Um, so uh, those players have delivered and uh, the result is just what he said, you know, <laughs> you know, top, uh, you know, top team in the league right now in terms of percentage. Uh, you and I are having this conversation. I follow this team quite closely. You follow all 32 teams in the American Hockey League quite closely. But I can't imagine that this shared opinion between you and I is just a conversation you and I are having. I mean, in your beat work for the AHL, have you talked with other teams, players, executives, coaches, whomever, about this rather mm-hmm. incredible start uh, for the Coachella Valley Firebirds? Oh yeah, you know, definitely it's it's taken notice, and I think that's especially notable in the fact, in some ways, this league is almost four leagues in one because it is such a division heavy schedule. So you don't tend to always have you know a lot of awareness. You know, teams in the East don't tend to follow a lot of what's going on in the West. But I think first off, just the fact the team Coachella Valley, the Palms. Pumps Rains market in general that caught a lot of people's attention, you know, right off the bat. Then they saw the new Agrisure Arena that certainly caught their attention, and then the performance of the team. So I think, you know, uh, I was it was funny. I was talking to Troy Bodie um, <clears throat> a couple weeks back, and he, you know, one of his concerns in the summer was, you know, how were we going to sign players? You know, like how are we going to make that pitch to players? Well, you know, you can sign here, but we're on the road for you know two and a half months. Uh, turns out that it was actually a pretty, um, pretty smooth uh, sales pitch because um, players, A, the fact they could live in uh, Coachella Valley, and then B, just, I mean, they got wind of the facilities there. I mean, a top-notch facility um, is going to attract attention from players. Uh, so those two elements really did help put together a team. So I think when you look around the league, yeah, players, coaches, management especially um, are noticing it. You know, it's, it is a copycat business. Uh, teams want to uh, emulate what, you know, some of the best practices um, that are going on. And I think if you look at Coachella Valley, uh, you know, at least here for the first third of the season, um, certainly some of the best practices uh, you could ask for. In further referencing that conversation you had with Troy Bodie, my most recent guest on Fire and Ice podcast for the December addition uh you on earth some great stuff a lot of logistical stuff i'm not going to necessarily say patrick i was jealous but i haven't spoken with and interviewed troy many times you got some great details about some of those logistics that people wouldn't even think about when we're talking about a hockey team or even an arena (laughs) just all the flux of getting the players places to live and getting their vehicles here. I mean, in that conversation for the article you did right before the close of the year, was there one or two things that Troy told you that really jumped out about the feat of getting the team basically from one market to another in season? Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing was, was when he mentioned the baggage fees, you know, uh, for, you know, flying the players down, flying their equipment and they ended up having, they just decided to, to, to truck all the equipment down to, to Palm Springs uh, because it was the bag, baggage fees were going to be, you know, through the roof. Right. You know, I think any of us who have, have flown can relate to that. You know, you're trying to <laughs> squeeze in as much as you can, right. Without uh, paying those baggage fees. I know that, you know, teams that fly a lot, that's a significant cost, right? Like, you know, a road trip, 
for five or six games, you know, when you're flying from one city to the next, you're flying commercial. So uh, teams, you know, they're looking for every uh, chance they can to, to save some money, you know, in that regard. And so that, that, that was a major logistical um, undertaking. And then the second part was, <clears throat> I think the same thing that stood out to you was, it was the housing, right? You know, like a lot of players were, literally just going on online and going through those kind of like those virtual tours on the apartment websites and thinking like, all right, I, I think this is good. You know, and you never totally know, right. Until, um, you know, until you actually get there and set foot. Um, so it is sort of a little bit of a leap of faith uh, for those players that, you know, hopefully, you know, this apartment is what I think it is. Uh, the team certainly helped out a lot too. Um, they uh, they actually acquired some apartment leases in the summer and then transferred them to the players. Other players, you know, they wanted to find it on their own. And then you have, you know, in some cases, some of the older players have families. So that's a whole other element, you know, schools and um those aspects yeah so a lot of things that people don't necessarily think of and remember you're doing it now you're not doing it like the nhl does where you have charter flights and you kind of have an unlimited you know pool of money almost you know the nhl teams they, they run things on a, on a pretty lean budget um so that was uh you know full credit to troy Bodie and his staff uh for, for for pulling that off you referenced a few times Acresure arena uh, have you had opportunity to see the arena in person yet patrick not yet. Uh, it's on the calendar uh, for uh, probably March. Um, you know, I think uh, I think you're going to see a lot of teams. You know, with the way the schedule is, you know, you you, you more or less can pick your opponents. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of teams that want to uh, do a home and home next year with Coachella. Um, you know, I know that. Uh, I I kind of was joking early on. You know, that the Iowa Wild, for example. You know, very smart <laughs> scheduling <laughs> on their part. Uh, they set it up that they're going to be. I think in. Uh, Coachella and San Diego for the better part of a week in March, which I think uh, you know, is a, a very nice point in the schedule, um, you know, for your players to go on the road and, uh, you know, have that, you know, that road experience. And uh, I mean, really what, you know, you couldn't find two better places to be in the middle of March than uh, San Diego and Coachella Valley. Conversely, uh, for the Firebird side of the schedule, the January slate, I finally get a lengthy homestand. They only have three away games. One of those is 80 miles away in Ontario later this month. And that is followed by actually a trip to play in Iowa against the yeah. Iowa Wild on the 26th and 28th, respectively. I trust that visit to Iowa for a brief time. The dudes will probably be ready to get back to peak season here in the desert. Friends, you're tuning in to the Fire and Ice podcast, January edition. It's the official podcast of Coachella Valley Firebirds. I'm your host, Judd Spicer. Patrick Williams, covered pro hockey for two decades, covers the American Hockey League at the AHL.com. Also suggest following him on Twitter. That's at P. Williams, AHL. Again, Patrick Williams is my guest. Interesting, Patrick. I read this in one of your other articles. I think it was your 2022 wrap that Akershire Arena is not the only new arena in the AHL this year. There are actually two others, both of which are in our division. Uh, Henderson and San Jose also have both new uh, both have new facilities this year, correct? Yeah, uh, Henderson kind of, uh, they let it off uh, last April. They opened Dollar Loan Center, a uh, $64 million facility. Henderson's essentially, you know, right on the outskirts of uh, Las Vegas there, so uh, kind of a suburb in a, in a way, and um beautiful facility top-notch i mean you know uh can match up with anybody and then uh 
San Jose Barracuda, they opened up a Tech CU arena. It's actually, it was in addition to the San Jose Sharks practice facility. Uh, that, that was a major, that was a major victory for the Barracuda. They had played uh, their first seven years in the SAP center, which is the home of the NHL team. Um, and that's, you know, I think the, it's 17,000 seats and it just, it didn't make for a great uh, home environment. So now they've got their own building. Uh, it's kind of the right fit for them, the right size, um, everything top notch. So um, it's been remarkable, you know, like when I think about when I started off and, you know, <laughs> it was unique, largely confined uh, to the kind of Northeastern United States and, and part of the Midwest and, you know, a lot of smaller markets, older buildings. And now you look at, you're in the Las Vegas market, you're in the, you know, the Bay area. And now you're in you know Coachella Valley and not only are you there, but you're there in top notch facilities, you know, you know, better part of, you know, half a billion dollars, you know, uh, yeah. spent on arenas just this year. Um, so it shows a big commitment. I think, uh, you know, from clubs, NHL clubs, especially that you know, they're really investing. I mean, it used to kind of be like, it was wherever you could find a, a, an empty market with a, you know, a building available. That was good enough. Right. And now teams, you know, that, that, that whole shift to the West coast in 2015 really kind of turned the league, uh, you know, upside down. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a challenging, you know, undertaking for, for the entire league to do that. So they, they had 11 affiliation or city changes in one summer. Um, so that was, you know, <laughs> You know, that was that was difficult and they did have to, you know, they lost, the you know, some markets they really didn't like, but um, it did get the lead to a much uh, healthier footing and um, it gave NHL teams what they were looking for, which was geographically convenient uh, affiliates. And, you know, even you know, a team like Coachella Valley, you know, map on the map, it doesn't necessarily look like it's close to Seattle, but it's a two hour flight, direct flight back and forth. So it's an easy you can put a player on the plane at seven in the morning and he's in Seattle by 10 o'clock for morning skate, vice versa. So um, that's what teams are looking for. They're not looking um, to have players three time zones away and kind of off the beaten path. Now, you know, if you're, if you're a prospect, you're being seen by NHL management, you know, on a pretty much a daily basis. Sticking with that geography for a moment uh, between the NHL and the American hockey league, eight, professional teams in the state of California gained one with uh, the Firebirds this year and actually lost one with uh, the former mm. Stockton team now in Calgary is the notion Patrick of the non-traditional hockey market. Is that just totally antiquated at this point? Oh yeah. No, I mean, that's, yeah, that's out the window. I mean, you just even you look at where players, I mean, I just did a piece on, uh, uh, Cole Gutman of Rockford, and he's you know he's from the L.A. area, you know, and grew up, born and raised. Not one of those situations where he was born and moved off to you know kind of a traditional hockey market. Uh, you know, he was you know California through and through, and um, played Division One hockey at the University of Denver. Captain, kind of you know all the elements that you'd want in a young player's resume. He has them. I mean, you know, players come from anywhere now, right? Texas. I mean, I mean, I. I, I I think you're almost as likely to see an American player now as you are, you know, the traditional, you know, player from Manitoba or, you know, your typical, you know, prairie type province situation. So, I mean, it's opened a whole new element, um, you know, to, to, you know, great young talent. And I think the hockey world is that much stronger for it. You uh, also talked about, we don't need to throw anybody under the proverbial bus here. We don't need to name any names. I mean, obviously the Firebirds are playing in a half billion dollar arena. And I've heard the players discuss this. Um, 
either casually or in a post-game press conference. They're playing thus far in front of uh, over 8,000 fans or sellout crowds for every game. They've discussed the practice facility, the locker rooms, uh, the workout facility is all basically being NHL level. In contrast with when you started covering the American Hockey League, I mean, you must have been to some places that I grew up basically playing in as a native Minnesotan. Again, don't need to name any teams or any cities, but just to give folks that have only been to Akershire Arena a point of contrast of how great our place is versus what kind of conditions guys could be playing in, what are one or two things that you've seen in your AHA travels that you're like, man, this is kind of the Duck AHL? Yeah, it was really different. You used to have a lot of buildings that were definitely, they had seen better days and they were aging and, you know, they didn't have, you know, the spacious uh, dressing room area. Um, you know, a lot of, I, I remember the thing, I do remember a lot of teams that, you know, they got kicked out of their arena because of an event or something. They, you know, they would literally their practice in a community rank wherever they could kind of find available ice. And, you know, so kind of in between, you know, the, the kids' birthday parties, you know, there'd be the, you know, American Hockey League team, you know, holding a practice, right? So, um, but those days are gone, right? Like the investment that NHL teams put in now in terms of facilities, um, in terms of uh, development staff, uh, in terms of, um, <clears throat> some, you know, signing, you know, big contracts now like if you're a solid HL veteran you can make $450,000 a season right this is not the old you know kind of gritty you know rough and tumble AHL the past where you know you think guys are just barely scraping by like you know you can make a great living as a, as a player you know on that kind of that NHL HL bubble and you know that's why you get a Paul Rorowski that's why you get a Cameron Hughes guys like that um rather than them going to Europe, for example, right? So um, it's a much more attractive uh, landscape for players. And, you know, I, I, I should add, though, that it, that was a long road, right? Like Dave Andrews, the former president CEO, took over in 1994. It was a small league. It was 16 teams. A lot of teams are kind of on a year-to-year basis, you know, barely holding on. You know, in, in markets that were, you know, we're going through some rough times and, you know, slowly but surely he chipped away. And, uh, you know, here we are, you know, 20, almost yeah, 29 years later, um, Scott Helson has taken over since then, but, uh, you know, the latest come through a lot of you know, difficult periods um, and, and come out that much stronger for it. You mentioned uh, several of the Firebird players, Patrick, that are having Sterling uh, first halves of the campaign. Andrew Podorowski, uh, he is tied for the team lead at 31 points. No shocker there, as you said, two-time reigning AHL scoring champion, also has team-high 23 assists. Cameron Hughes, you mentioned, uh, Cole Lind, Jesper Froden, team captain Max McCormick, also both goalies, Joey Decord, Christopher Gibson, having solid, uh, solid seasons. Also having a solid season is the Big Daddy Club, the Seattle Kraken, which is probably muting a bit some of the opportunities that these guys may have to rightfully ascend to the NHL. I don't know if there's one guy on the Firebirds roster thus far that you might particularly be keeping an eye on, someone that we should be watching out for because we might not see him uh, for much longer, mm-hmm. that they're that they're just too, too good to not be on an NHL roster. Anyone in particular? Yeah, Cole Lind uh, really stands out uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, he's, you know, one of their, you know, young prospects. I mean, Seattle doesn't have a ton of them yet, but uh, he definitely stands out. Riker Evans, uh, another player that's uh, kind of has caught my eye early on. And, um, 
you are right though that you know I think you know one of the selling points for Coachella Valley and for Seattle was all right you have a team that only played one season in the NHL you know this is still somewhat of an expansion club maybe there will be more opportunities so you know if you're a player you're evaluating your options that had to be pretty attractive like you know if I'm on the bubble you know I have a shot you know rather than you know if I'm in Tampa or if I'm in you know Colorado somewhere like that where you know it's, it's you know, pretty much a closed path for, for a player on the bubble. So, you know, I think that was a big part of getting a player like Podorowski. You know, he had kind of – he had been kind of blocked there in Carolina's system there, you know, playing in Chicago last season. So, um, sure, he came there and, and that looked attracted to him. And then, you know, as it turned out, Seattle, I think, has, you know, outperformed everybody's expectations um, this year. So, maybe those opportunities aren't there as much. But – um, any good NHL team and affiliate by extension in that internal competition is huge and um, it forces everyone to raise their game. And I think that's a lot of what you're seeing there with Coachella because if, if you don't, you're not even going to have any chance uh, to have a, you know, even get a few games with Seattle. Let me ask you lastly today, Patrick, uh, you mentioned that you're going to be out here in March. Look forward to meeting in person and shaking a hand. Right about that time, the home stretch of the season, this is a new team. It's a new market. It's a new franchise. It's a new arena. It's an area that has never before had a full-time professional sports franchise. As we get to that home stretch, it looks like a team that will very likely, if not decidedly, making a strong playoff push out of the 10-team Pacific. Seven of those teams ascend to the playoff uh, round. What can we expect? What kind of atmosphere? I mean, thus far, I've been very impressed with what the fans have done and how they've come out to Acrisure Arena. They've been into the games. They've been having fun. They've been loud. But as you get to those last, you know, 10, 12 games and you're making a push, paint the scene for us a little bit. What do you see change in AHL arenas as the regular season is winding down? That intensity just picks up, uh, you know, a lot of that kind of that that growing pain element uh, for young players is as more or less gone by the wayside by the time you get into March and April. So that, that really sharpens the level of play. Um, this is such a division heavy league that you, you do every game becomes that kind of proverbial four point game uh, down the stretch. Uh, so that's the second element. And then, you know, once, once you get in the playoffs, I mean, this is a league too, where, you know, uh, you know, trying to pick, you know, make playoff predictions is really a fool's errand because so much of it can come down to what your NHL team does. You know, if your NHL team, Either does it make the playoffs or gets bounced early? You can get an influx of you know two, three, or four players, you know, real solid impact players that can come down and completely you know shift a roster. Now that can be a challenge because it can also sort of uh, you know upset the you know the the delicate balance that you you might have, uh, you know. So that that that's a challenge that uh, you know coach has to navigate. But uh, um, you know when you look at you know. That division, you know, you got Ontario an hour or so away. You got, uh, you know, real good rival. You know, I think that you'll see emerge in Colorado. Um, Calgary's legit. Um, they're a team that went to the Western Conference final last year as Stockton. So it's going to be a rough, tough battle. Um, but, you know, I think it's playoff hockey, right? It's great. We'll look forward to that eventual atmosphere. And again, look out. I look forward to seeing you in our new barn in person come March. Patrick Williams, again, friends, check out his work at theahl.com. Give him a follow uh, at, at P. Williams. 
uh, AHL via the Twitter routes. And I'll just add, Patrick, so appreciative of your time. And I've so enjoyed reading your work. Anybody out here specifically in, in the desert that is uh, just learning about the American Hockey League, wants to get a better complexion of the, uh, the league as a whole, um, they need to read your stuff. They need to follow your stuff. I've, I've learned a lot about the American Hockey League just by following you and reading your work over the course of the past uh, year or two. Keep it up. Uh, appreciate your coverage of the Firebirds. Hope that you have opportunity to write more about the team as the season progresses. Yeah, I think I will. I think, you know, I can definitely see them playing May and June, you know, like the way they're going. So, you know, looking forward to it. As am I. Happy New Year, sir. Thanks for your time. Thank you. You as well. All right, folks, readily enjoyed that visit with Patrick Williams. Again, you can follow his coverage of the American Hockey League at theahl.com or via the Twitter roots at PWilliamsAHL. I've been your host, Judd Spicer, proudly serving as your Firebirds insider for this inaugural season, along with this monthly Fire and Ice podcast, the official podcast of the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Also have the pleasure of penning couple of articles per month. You can find those online at cvfirebirds.com. And of course, when you go to that website, you're looking for more than the humble articles of yours truly. You can find all of your information on Firebirds team, roster, ticketing, parking information, community efforts. Again, that's online at cvfirebirds.com. You can also, you should also, download that Coachella Valley Firebirds app. Hey, I'm kind of a technical knucklehead myself, but uh, I did that in about 93 seconds and found it a very useful tool, an additional tool to follow the Coachella Valley Firebirds. And may I add, when you're surfing around the internet, check out what's going on with the adjoining and adjacent ice rink to Akashur Arena. The Onsite Burger Foundation Iceplex, they like to call it the coolest spot in the desert. You can find information online at Burger, B-E-R-G-E-R, FoundationIceplex.com. A whole host of community offerings going on there, including, but certainly not limited to, the Skate Academy lessons, public skating, a host of on-ice opportunities, private ice rentals, the Lil Firebirds learning how to play hockey, Firebirds Youth Hockey Rec League, and adult hockey as well. You can sign up simply to learn how to play, or there's a full adult hockey league being offered at the Burger Foundation Iceplex. That's January. New Year's resolutions going on right now for those adult hockey leagues. Might be a great way to get in shape by putting on the pads yourself. Friends, appreciate your time, your interest, your ears. Thank you for tuning in to the January edition of the Fire and Ice podcast, the official podcast of your Coachella Valley Firebirds. I'm your host, Judd Spicer. I look forward to seeing you at Akershire Arena as we dig further into the Firebirds' inaugural and amazing season thus far. And remember, one valley, one team, rising together.